Hi everybody, Janice here. Welcome to This Woman Can, this week's edition of This Woman Can. And as ever, I am your host, Janice Sutherland, where it is my passion to help women lead impactful careers that will make more wins in their life. Now, this week we have a fabulous interview, even if I say so myself, and it's really poignant that I had this interview this week as we're, as I'm talking to more and more women about transitioning their careers and how they made that successful pivot in their career, especially for a certain time of life. Now, my conversation this week is with Andrea Dempster-Chung, and she is an engineer, entrepreneur and executive, but she's the co-founder and managing director of Kingston Creative an organisation seen to transform downtown Kingston, Jamaica and a fantastic work they're doing. So you really have to listen to this interview because Andrea shares so, so much great information and I really loved her mindset and her approach to changing careers or pivoting careers or using transferable skills. Now, if you're at the stage where you're thinking, well, I need to change my career or maybe you have no option, you have to rethink your career options, you may be interested in joining me in my Your Next Career chapter, email series and workshop. We're kicking off the 5th of July where I'll be giving you some guidance, support and help and how you can make that next transition, successful transition to your next career. Joining up is easy. Registration is easy. Just go over to my head, go over to my website, JaniceSutherland.com for more details to register. And I really look forward to connecting with you and working with you and helping you transition your career. So without further ado, let's hear the interview with Andrea Dempster-Chung. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's edition of This Woman Can. And this week we are looking at arts or behind the scenes to art to the arts and I am delighted my guest is Andrea Dempster-Chung who is the founder of Kingston Kingston Creative but Andrea also wears many hats so let me give you a, a, a a quick bio. Andrea is an engineer entrepreneur and executive she's the co-founder and managing director of Kingston Creative an organization seeking to transform downtown Jamaica the, and the founder of Bookophilia, a bookstore that promotes Caribbean literature, and the founder of Glow Global Art, an art marketing platform which helps artists from developing countries gain access to global markets. Andrew has held senior management roles in the government of Jamaica, Digicel, so we have a connection, and Grace Kennedy, and has served on the boards of Jamaica Social Investment Fund, the National Land Agency, and the Public Health Committee. She's a strategic business coach. Um, and consultant for creative entrepreneurs and has worked with the Jamaican, with worked with Jamaican National, the Branson Centre for Entrepreneurship and Aspire in Barbados. She recently managed the arts port- portfolio for the British Council, where she developed strategy and implemented key projects in film, literature and visual art to build capacity and drive the creative economy in Jamaica. And not only that, she's a clever girl, she's a clever woman. She holds a Master of Science in Structural Engineering, a Prince II certification in project management, and a Bachelor of Science in Civil Engineering from the Georgia Institute of Technology in Atlanta. She's also studied art and finance at the Sotheby School of Fine Art in London and finance at the Stanford School of Business in California. Now, Andrea, straight away, there are so many questions when I read your bio, because it's so diverse when it comes to Mm. your um, 
your education, your career learnings. So why don't we start off with you sharing a little bit more about how, as, as proudly as we can, how you got to be with Kingston Creative, where you got to where you are now. Hi, thank you so much, Janice. Um, I, I guess to sum it up, I'm having a legacy conversation with myself, <laughs> right? Um, and the world happens to be privy to my legacy conversation. So I started Bookophilia back in 2007 and it was a small art space. And, you know, arts is a stuff, that's what brings me joy. And so I made a conscious decision to go into an area of work that I really, really enjoyed. So this was a small a bookstore and cafe, but we also had exhibitions and culinary arts and film and theater. So we had a lot of fun in Bookophilia. But then after 10 years of that, I started to think around, you know, what's a project that would, A, bring together all my various skills. As you said, it's quite diverse, the engineering, project management, the NGO service, and what would also be worth working on for the next 10 years. And so that's where Kingston Creative came up as a concept, an art space for Kingston, and something that can really catalyze growth in the creative economy and help Jamaica to develop sustainably. I said, if we can make this work, if we can crack the code (laughs) of unlocking all the raw talent that Jamaicans have and turning that benefit for the nation yeah that would be worth on for 10 years fantastic now we have a very international audience of this woman can so could you give a description or share a little bit more about what kingston creative is okay no problem so kingston creative is an arts ngo and basically we work on placemaking as well as on stimulating the creative economy So placemaking means um, we're taking an area of Kingston, the capital city of Jamaica, which has become quite run down, quite dilapidated and turning it into an arts district. And we know the benefits that that brings for the many creatives that reside in the communities in and around downtown Kingston. Uh, For those who don't know, Kingston is a UNESCO creative city of music, one of just a few, a handful in the world. And it's received the intangible culture designation for reggae music. And we export so much reggae, but we're, you know, I I can't say that we're really seeing the benefit of all the talent that we have as a nation. We're still a developing nation. You know, we still have challenges with poverty and marginalized populations. So Kingston Creative is really about transforming downtown into a fantastic, vibrant art district and a place to be, as well as empowering creative people so that they benefit from this transformation. Fantastic, fantastic. And throughout this journey, Andrea, because it's been very, very varied, what would you describe as one of your biggest challenges and how you overcame it and the lessons learned? Wow. So just easy <laughs> questions. To get. I'm giving you easy questions. <laughs> um, um, I don't know. I, I'm a challenge person. I thrive right. on challenge. Um, I'm also... Um, very much a creative so I like to create new things I like to build new things maybe that's the engineer part yes. of me yeah I, I like to you know see things manifest um and so I guess I, I don't I don't view things as challenges I'm also I'm always like very very optimistic so I tend to look at the vision I mm-hmm. tend to have a very optimistic view of what can be done um I think the biggest challenge if, if you can frame it that way is around communicating your vision to people. Yeah. It's around taking a vision that's in your head and having the courage to step out there and declare that to the world. Once you have declared it, then you now have to do something. You now have to be held accountable for it. 
And I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to. I think a lot of people maybe, you know, there's something that they feel they're called to do, mm. but it's extremely mm. scary. Mm. Even having yeah. started consulting businesses and the bookstore and Kings yeah. Creative and Go Global Art, um, with varying, you know, successes and failures, even after all of those starts and startups, it's still very scary to step yeah. out and say, okay, this yeah. is what I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, if there's any um, advice I would give to people who maybe have a vision and, you know, want to actually manifest it, you have to share it. That's the point at which the rubber meets the road and it becomes yeah. real for yeah. you. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think it's a fear of failure, but failure mm-hmm. is part of it. So you mentioned Go Global Art in my bio, and I had big plans for this art marketing platform, but it just didn't go as as I wanted it to go. And so some people may call it a failure, but I think I've learned very valuable lessons through it. So as long as you learn the lessons, it's not a fail. It's Mm -hmm. a lesson. And you're now armed for that next step, you know, so don't consider anything a failure and absolutely declare a vision publicly. That's how it becomes real. Excellent. Yeah, it's all about accountability, which I'm really hot on at the moment, you know, being accountable and having someone hold you accountable if you're you're not the best at doing it for yourself, for yourself. Now, you've touched on fear of failure, which is uh, great. Another thing I I always look at. And quite rightly, as you said, you've learned, you've used those um, failures as lessons, as stepping stones, as platforms to move to, to move ahead. So it's made. So it sounds like it's made a very positive impact in your life from that respect. But Andrew, when you're starting out on this new and this new crazy idea and things like that, I'm sure you had your na- your naysayers. So when you feel maybe a wobble of confidence, or um, am I on the right line, or am I on the right track? Do you ever have those feelings of, of self-doubt? And if so, how do you um, navigate them? Okay, so every day, that's a short answer. <laughs> no, matter, no matter, it's just part of being human. Yeah. You know, um, you're always going to wonder, am I on the right track? Am I handling this right? And that's where your team comes in. Yeah. So, you know, I'm blessed to have like a really strong KC team around me. Um, they are amazing people in their own right. And, um, and so when you have this, this team, there's people to bounce things off. There's people to go to, people that you trust, people who are not afraid to tell you um, you're screwing up. You mm-hmm. know? So it's very important to have not just people who, oh, you're great, you're doing gay, not cheerleaders. <laughs> but as you said, accountability partners, yeah. people who believe in this thing so strongly for themselves that if they see you going off, they're like, no, no, no. This is, mm-hmm. this is the way we're supposed to go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all credit to the team because they keep you honest. They support you and buoy you up. When things go badly, they have your back, you know, and it's so important to have these things um, around you and have people around you that deliver this because nobody's confident all the time. Yeah. You know, um, I'm a person that projects confidence. When I walk into a room, I look really confident. <laughs> I look like I have it all together. But, you know, inside, I'm like, oh, oh my God, you know. The proverbial I get nervous one. <laughs> Exactly. The legs are paddling underwater furiously. But, um, and especially with, um, I think with Kingston Creative, it's been very unique. At Digicel, you have a huge 1,500 person organization behind you. At Grace Kennedy, you have a team, you have a boss who's going to take some of the flack. You know, in different positions I've worked in when I was um, director of technical services for the ministry, you have a whole governmental structure, mm-hmm. both for you to execute through and to protect you. Yeah. And at Kingston Creative, you know, it's a very small NGO. It's a startup. Yeah. Just started three years ago, 2017. And so it can be very lonely. 
it can be very isolating. You can yeah. feel quite vulnerable to comments that, yeah. you know, you might get, you know, you don't have that buffer, yeah. which is why, again, that team of volunteers and that Kingston Creative family that we have, super important to yeah. getting stuff yeah. done, just leading, yeah. you know. So, so Andrew, starting, let me take you back a few years starting off. So when you started your career, because one of the things I've been very cognizant, especially from a Caribbean perspective, is that our parents really have a path for us. They know, they they have um, in their head, this is the path you're going to follow. And it's usually very medical or, you know, um, accountancy and, thing, and things like that. What was what was um, your, your original start? And um, I would hazard to guess you deviate a little bit from that somewhere on the way. And what would have been their response? Mm. So, of course, you're absolutely correct. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or whatless. <laughs> so, those, <laughs> I love are that. those are the four options I was presented yeah. with. Yeah. Um, you know, I didn't like blood. And then law seemed like, a, you know, I'd just be reading all day long. And so I chose engineer. Um, so I used to draw um, a lot, like, you know, art is my thing, visual arts, so drawing and painting. And so originally my dream was to go to the Sorbonne in Paris, wow. you know, to, to really just study art. Yes. And, um, and then the economic realities of that were presented mm -hmm. to me mm -hmm. in the Caribbean, as you probably know. And I think in a lot of places around the world, um, art is not a working class option. Yes. Yes. Right. My, yeah. my mother is from Trinidad and Tobago. Yeah. She grew up in St. James. There were seven children. Originally, the house had a dirt floor. I mean, if you go two generations back, mm. you know, you can see why our parents think that way. Definitely. Definitely. Wow, you're going to have to be able to buy yourself a house and support yourself and support your family and do better for your kids. And that is really, really programmed into our parenting DNA, you know. And so choosing art was something that other people's children did. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a choice that was a viable choice yeah. for a working class Caribbean family. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I always, uh, I, I studied film. I ended up, you know, finding ways to incorporate art into my life. And then I think after you, you get to a certain place in your career, then you can choose again. Right. So after you bought your house and after yeah, you bought your true. car, then you have that you can always choose again. And I, I see people struggle with actually how do I change path? Mm. Yeah. Um, oh, I've committed so much time to this company. I can't leave. Or, you know, I've, I've always done medicine. How, how could I start a new career? You know, but you absolutely can. Yeah. There is never a point at which it is too late to shift. And I've seen a lot of people shift careers and find a lot of joy in their second, in their second choice, which may have been their first choice. Yeah. So I guess for me, I haven't become an artist, but I facilitate artists. I work with a creative community. I create platforms for artists so they can succeed. And that brings me a lot of joy. Just working with creative people, though that's my community and that's who I choose to serve. Excellent. Excellent. And I'm glad you said that about because I, I I work with a lot of women um, who have probably reached a certain time in their life and thinking, wow, is this it? I know certainly I was there and had to really take a step back and think, wow, how many more years do I want to do this? And, and I'm going to do that. And there's that fear of having the pivot. But I think now, right now at this stage, and I was just doing a few episodes on it, where entrepreneurship or a change, a pivot is now being forced on persons. They've been furloughed, they've lost their roles, um, you know, and now there's no choice. You kind of have to, 
I think personally, I think it's a great time because that fear of the change or the fear of the, the, the not so much the failure, because you could still fail making the pivot, but the fear of making that change that's been taken away now that's been removed. So, you know, what have you got to lose now? And true, I think it's a true. great time. I think it's a great time. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of um, what have you got to lose, but then everything is in flux. So you're not the only one stepping yeah. off the hamster wheel, yeah. you know, everybody yes. stepped off and doing something. So there's a bit more security in the fact that more people are doing this, whether yeah. forced or yeah. yeah. And then there's also this new generation coming up who have never worked in a job for five years straight, never. It's just not a reality anymore with zero hour contracts and yes. the way the world is now freelancing, hmm. you know, our parents' generation, they would work for 40 years, get the gold yes. watch and go home. Yeah. That is a thing of the past. So even the work world itself has shifted to where hmm. pivoting or, you know, making new choices or completely changing careers wholesale is not looked down on as it was before. I remember early in my career, um, because I've been a lot of things. I've had my engineering job, my project management job, my housing director job, my, you're right. Um, and people would look at my resume and they'd be like, so, uh, you know, they would, they would read from it that I am an untrustworthy person or unstable. <laughs> or, why did you move to the UK again and then come back to Jamaica again? And then why did you go to the America? And, but now I don't think people look at it that way yeah. because now, you know, people are more used to these jobs that deploy you all over the place yeah. and just more flexibility, even in working, mm. you know, mm. working is now a term, mm. it's now a thing, Yeah, you know. So and, and, and I think there's almost an expectation now, a query, because I mean, I'm probably, I've never really worked more than four years in an organisation. This last organisation was the longest I ever worked at one. I've always had itchy feet and after four years, now, now it's time for something new. So I've never had that, you know, been, been stuck in that. But I think you're so right now where, where it's not, you don't get side eye now by looking at your C, your resume, your CV and saying, well, you're a job hopper or why have you left? You're um, actually in demand. Yes. And you're actually yes. conscious about what you choose to spend your time working on. Absolutely. So Absolutely. I found coming up that changing jobs was the only way you could raise your salary by, you know, hundred percent. You can't double yeah. your salary any yes. other way. There's no company, no matter how much they love you, yeah. can they double your salary yeah. in, in one, yeah. no matter how much you perform. Absolutely. So changing jobs, you know, advancing, it, mm. it's the way to go. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for that. So I've got a couple of questions. Oh, I'm trying to think how to, how to put these questions in order. So, um, if you had to start over from scratch, uh, Andrea, knowing what you know now, what would you do differently? Hmm. Hmm. I think, so I had a stint as a HR director at, at Digicel, and I think that was invaluable in terms of learning about gray. Okay, so as an engineer, it's yeah. very black and white, nuts yeah. and bolts. It either works, right? And that was, that was my training coming up, but that doesn't equip you to do big things, mm -hmm. to do big things. You need to be able to understand people. So, you know, at a point I then went off and studied people in California. We did a course on EQIQ and then, you know, people related understanding is super, super important. So if there was one thing I was going to do differently in my career, it would have been to pay more attention, not just to you know, excellence in terms of analytical excellence yeah. and numbers excellence, yeah. but excellence in terms of understanding people. Mm. 
because I think if if you have both, then you know you're really well positioned to do big things. So I wouldn't have waited so late yeah, to yeah. understand, yeah. yeah, to understand how humans function. You know, yeah. And, and that's and that's you know just put another thought in my head because that's a great answer about not understanding the gray because because you know and I'm going to over generalize a little bit here because there has been this focus on engineering medical or you know um, what was it this the end end lawyer again it's been very you know it's been very black and white and what I've found in my experience um, living out here or working out here um, in the Caribbean is that leaders having to navigate the gray is very uncomfortable very they find it very incredibly uncomfortable and some of the decisions they make they probably take a very i want to say a black and white it's almost a red decision i've seen people dismiss people or let or pay people off because they don't know how to handle the gray uncertainty the grayness or how to have that conversation so um yeah yeah having a tough conversation is a skill it is a skill it's yeah you know absolutely it's one of it's one of it's it's a program i run that's one of my most popular programs is having that challenging conversation and the things we take Mm -hmm. for granted about the conversation have and i'm like but you should know how to do this you should feel comfortable it's a whole different whole different world for those so so thanks and some of it is socialization yes in the caribbean we're we're a post-colonial society we are not taught to book authority we are taught to yes ma'am sir this has been you know this is what decent good people do you nod and you acquiesce so having that confrontation but not seeing it as a fight yes sometimes we we yes sir so much until we can't take it anymore and then it's a fight right (laughs) so but we're not taught how to have that kind of positive you know okay look this isn't let's have a come to jesus conversation and then it's all good we can build back from there we're not really taught that so um and then yeah so part of it is some people have that personality and some people don't. And then part of it is the Caribbean society that we exist in. Yeah. And I find when I work in the U.S., completely different. Mm-hmm. Everybody's in your face about everything. And that's how they're raised. Yeah. And in the yeah. U.K., it's in between yes. because it's nice on the surface. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's very different styles in terms yeah. of the different societies that you might um, operate in. Yeah. But it's okay. definitely a key skill. Key skill. Definitely. definitely. So throughout your your very career, your very career, Andrea, what would you say has been your biggest career triumph? Mm. Well, um, <laughs> hmm. we've just done a deal with the IDB. And honestly, it's like a multi-million dollar deal. And I could not be more ecstatic for a little tiny NGO from a little tiny island with no big company back in it. And just, you know, all this heart, you know, to actually be lay out a vision that the IDB says, yeah, this is going to transform your country. (laughs) Let's go. You know, so I think that is a big deal because I I just see the difference that it's going to make to so many people as we roll it out. Yeah. 21 through 23 like I know it's it's making a change and having an impact that you know will be lasting so I totally agree with you Andrea because what you're trying to do it's very for me it feels very different than being um part of the corporate world yes we know that lots of people lots of people working there and they all have jobs etc etc but even I'm seeing the repercussions of having I I know downtown Kingston I know downtown Kingston so just 
visualizing or seeing what what's going to happen there and how we people enough already you know and how we will we will capitalize on all the different aspects from the even the higglers will have more traffic and stuff like that so i think it's fantastic so i'm going to give you a big you know big clap and well 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 done that's the big win that's the thing i think i feel really really happy about um Kingston Creative, it gives me a lot of joy. I mean, yeah. you know, we've all done jobs where, you know, you're doing it for the money yeah. or you yeah. enjoy it, but it's, you know, it's not your passion. Yeah. 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 And then the things like Bookophilia where it was absolutely my passion. Yeah. Like I just, and I really, I love books down to the ground. Yeah. And then there's this where you feel like you could actually be making a, you know, some kind of change. Yeah. Yeah. So um, like I said at the beginning, you know, it really is a legacy conversation and, I encourage everybody to have to sit quietly and just have a little bit of a legacy conversation with yourself. Yes. You know, ask yourself if you wanted to be remembered for something, if you could do one thing, yes. what would that one thing be that you yes. really want to be remembered yes. for? What yes. would, what would yes. matter yes. after you're gone? You know, that kind of way. Yeah. I, I was asked that question quite recently and it was, an, it was a thing I hadn't really thought about. But then when I did think about it, it was quite easy to come up with the answer. And I'm like, well, so yes. So now I know I'm on the right track with this, what I'm doing, you know? Mm. So, um, so yeah, it's an important, it's an important, but often overlooked question. You see, we already know it's yeah. just that we don't necessarily ask ourselves the question that directly and then sit yeah. with the answer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you all, there's already a knowing, mm. you know, absolutely. Just, absolutely. I think sometimes it, um, it's hard to look at that question because it involves your mortality. It involves accepting that whatever job you're in or whatever job you're doing, you're not going to be doing it forever. Yeah. They, they will replace you. <laughs> somebody else in 20 years doing exactly what you're doing, sat exactly where you're sat right now. So, you know, if there is to be something that you leave, it, it's not going to be your nine to five. Mm. You know, what is the impact that you're going to have in your life? I mean, it's a big conversation, but I really think it's worth asking the question because as, as you said, you already know the answer. Yes. Sometimes yeah. just confirming, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely. We can often give ourselves the space, the yeah. space and the time for those and, questions. And, and, and you know, I think you know, not looking at age. I, I'm a woman of a certain age now, um, and as you talk about mortality and stuff, and I'm like, well, gosh, you know, it, it, that's you know, it's it's ever looming when you see people around you around similar ages and things like that. And you're thinking, wow, you know, and then it's almost that choice is. I need to do something that brings me joy, that makes me happy. If this is what it's going to be, I've got to get something out of it. I've got to make that change and fight the fear because there'll always be something to be scared of, you know, a lot along the journey. So, yeah, I yeah, totally, totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. So let me just swing back a little bit to um, let's talk about your leadership, your leadership journey. What advice would you share with women? Because you again, coming from an engineering field, you've worked in a very male-dominated, very male-dominated arena. So what advice would you share with any women embarking on their leadership journey or entering a male-dominated profession? Mm. It's challenging. Um, with gender, you can choose to play into it, lean in, as they say, or you can choose to ig ignore it mm -hmm. and just, you know, proceed as if, well, I'm going to be the anomaly here yeah. and just do your work at it. But even if you choose to not play into it, um, it, it impacts you and it is there. It's right. a fact whether you choose to acknowledge it or not. Um, and it's a fact in your leadership journey. It's a fact in your working life. It's a fact in your pay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I say this as someone 
done, you know, salary analyses, male versus female um, in companies. And then you say, oh, how come she's doing the same job as him and she's been paid so much less? You know, maybe he just asked for raises and she didn't because she didn't want to be viewed as the pushy, aggressive lady. Yeah. Right. So um, the advice I would give, I think, is number one, to ask for what you want. Um, Don't be in a position to be like, oh, I don't want to be viewed as pushy or this or that. So I'll just you're you're probably going to be viewed as pushy anyway yeah just ask yeah and and you probably are worth it and there's probably somebody else who is being paid more than you just because they asked yeah so sing up um, using your voice making sure to use your voice very intentionally meaning you don't have to say a lot i'm i'm not one of those you know i'm a big talker and i'm always Mm -hmm. talking about i'm not one of those people but um when you do open your mouth you know good sense should come out and yes. people will recognize that. And, you know, so use your voice and, and use it intentionally, um, which is very different from being chatty and talkative yes. or boastful. Yes. very different. Yeah. Um, and then I think, you know, gain confidence in yourself. Um, so you have to believe in you. That's the first thing. Yes. Um, so, you know, I'm working on yourself. Um, there are going to be areas of self-doubt. There's going to be, those are yours to address. Mm-hmm. You've got to sit with your, you have to get to a place where you feel you are good enough. Nobody else can make you better by fixing this gender inequity or that. If you still internally yes. um, haven't done that work, then that's not going to help you. So do the internal work that it takes to get to a place where you are confident and you know at peace with yourself. Um, I think that's important too. You know, it's not all about academics and, and, you know, metrics and deliverables. There is that, that inner work that needs to be done on each of us. There's growth that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So identify where and get the help, get the support, get the coach and move past it. Absolutely. Um, That would be advice for women. Yeah. Because sometimes it does take a coach. I've had a coach at different points in my life. Same here. So, you know, it's, it is something that, you know, you do the work. If your car wasn't working, you'd fix it. So if something's not working in, in your realm yes get help and fix yeah and and you know and i think also while we're on it i just want to dispel that myth that a coach is only needed if you've done something bad actually you know if you think about the athletes they do it to improve themselves so you know so what's the difference in trying to have that tact that that approach when it comes to our own careers so like yourself i've had a number of coaches um I have accountability, but but is even as a coach, sometimes it's coach, coach thyself, you know, and you have to give yourself a good talking, a good talking to, because like you said, yeah. the self worth and the the self doubt, it, it just stays with you. You just get more adept at recognizing when it's creeping in and exactly. challenging it, yeah, and yeah. having the tools to yeah. challenge yeah. it. I don't know if that's like great advice for women. I'm trying to think if there's there's there's. <laughs> I think for young women coming up, because I have a daughter, she's 11. Yes. yes. I think for her, it's that you can do anything. Like, yeah. just be clear that you can do anything you choose to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, those, the limits that you are only the things you place on yourself. Those are the yes. only limits you have. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's easier for her to believe it. Um, oh, there's this fantastic w- book for young girls called Rebel Girls or Rebel Women. Okay. Um, there's so many examples of women who are just at, at the height of their yeah. game, you know, yeah. and yeah. Kamala Michelle Obama's and, yeah. you know, you've got people who really exemplify the fact that women can do whatever they want to do. So yeah, that, that I think is it just Fabulous. that there, you are unlimited as yes. a being. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love what you said about asking, because those three little letters can actually deliver quite a lot. And also knowing your worth, you know, so um, and again, I think we often downplay our work, downplay our worth, especially when it comes to the gender, the gender piece and not asking the two go hand in hand. So I'm really glad mm -hmm. that you, you, you highlighted those because I'm tired of talking about it. <laughs> No, I mean, I say, I say it repeatedly, you know, ask for it because right now you don't have it. Yes. If you ask, the worst thing that can happen is you don't have it. And that's where you are. So exactly you're what right I say. Yeah. You have nothing to lose. So, exactly. you know, and, and, and there was a framing, you know, make a powerful request. Hmm. So the, I think the first time I had a coach, this was a very expensive coach from, I think he was from the UK and he was coaching a CEO at a huge company in Jamaica. Right. He was coaching the CEO. Yes. And, you know, you should get some coaching. I'm like, I can't afford a coach. She's like, make a powerful request. Yeah. And I made a, I said, oh yeah. my God, it's like asking the impossible. <laughs> so you think it's not possible, but ask it anyway. Yeah. You know, and, and when you ask like that, Sometimes you get a yes and you get what you thought was not possible, but you will never get it if you do not ask. So okay. making powerful requests is also another skill set. Yeah. Yeah. See, gems, pure gems you're dropping here. So I, so I love it. So Andrea, share with us a success quote or a mantra that you use and why it's meaningful to you. Mm. Oh, that one's easy. Um, primo inter Paris. It's uh, Latin for first among equals. Okay. And um, it's, there's a book about servant leadership that I read, mm -hmm. you know, uh, 20 years ago or so. And I really like that servant leadership model. Um, and primo inter Paris, first among equals means that even though I'm the boss mm -hmm. of my department or of my organization, you are just chosen. Everybody else is just as good as you. Yes. You have just chosen by us to lead. We yeah. choose to back you to lead. You are, you know, you're no better than anybody else. Yeah. You're first among equals. You lead in a different way. When you think of it, not as um, boss and minions, mm -hmm. as many do in the current yeah. working culture. Yeah. There's a hierarchy. You know, oh, Mr. So and So and Miss So and So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I never do that, Mrs. Whoever thing. I mean, it's or I Professor did. this and Doctor that. Is useful, but. In general, I like that flat structure. I like that equality. Yeah. And I like making people feel like you are a part of everything that's that's happening here. Yeah. You know, and you can only really lead with that if you have that kind of a, a, an underpinning. Yeah. So that's why I like Primo. Nice, nice. And I think a lot of leaders find out so you know, very quickly when there's um, unsettled team that, you know, oh. you're only there because of them. You know, because take that team away, you know, as I said, there's no I in team and that whole adage. It's so very true because, you know, even when I was even when I was doing my, as my CEO role, um, I, I knew first. I always tell people you don't need to know a good leader knows what to ask. A great leader knows who to ask when they don't have the answer. So you mm. don't need to know everything. And I certainly knew at my role, I'd I didn't have a technical background at all. I'd spent my life in call centers. Mm. I had some transferable mm. skills, but I quickly realized that I don't need to know everything because I've employed these people who have these degrees and these qualifications to know that. I just need to know what questions to ask and who to mm -hmm. ask them to, you know, will he do this? And that's it. Yeah. You just have to be smart. You can't be the smartest person in the room is what yeah. they're saying. It's really exactly. True. 
exactly yeah. exactly yeah. exactly so Andrea what advice I'm going to give you the hard question what advice would you give to your teenage self hmm. you're going to be okay like don't worry so much <laughs> I think I worried a lot like I filled journals with oh what if and, da, 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 and what will happen and you know I mean if I knew that everything is unfolding as it should, yeah. then I think I would have had a much more relaxed path. I might have been gone in exactly the same direction, yeah. but in a more relaxed way. So, yeah. So I think now at this age, this, you know, women of certain age, as you said, now at this age, yeah, I have that confidence that no matter what happens, even if it's not something I expected, that it is for my ultimate good. Yeah. You know, so... And whatever happens, I can handle it and I can navigate it. And I may take another turn, but, yeah. you know, it'll be fine. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I think that is that is a beautiful feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're doing what you're doing, but you're not stressed about. Yes. It. Yes. Yeah. About and, the future. Yeah. And I think our level of experience or our age, we, we realize the journey isn't A to B. You know, we know we can go all around the houses just to get there. But the goal is to get there, you know, and just navigate those little bumps, speed bumps in the road, speed bumps in the road or potholes, whatever they may be. So, or learning moments, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. 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 So, Andrea, if you could choose your own mentor, who would it be and why? Hmm. So mentorship is interesting. Um, I've had mentors who did not know they were my mentors. I don't believe that you have to sit down in front of someone and have that interaction for them to be a mentor to you. I think they can just inspire you. You can read about their life. You can find out about their path and how they think. And that can actually develop you in a certain way. Um, I can't think of one person. I think it'd be a lot of people, actually. Um, Someone who embodies uh, entrepreneurship, someone who is bold and risk-taking, someone who's also very caring for their people and a really good people leader. Yeah. I think, so those are the three, the entrepreneurship, the boldness, because I think you do have to have a quality of uh, fearlessness. You yeah. have to be able to take, take that stupid step. Yeah. People are like, oh my God, why is she going? <laughs> if you're not, if you're not taking a risk, if you're not nervous, you know, yeah. you, you can't win by playing it. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. But in terms of a specific name, I don't have yeah. a specific name, That's unfortunately. Fine. That's fine. And I love what you said about the mentors not being mentors, because I have a phrase that I call the unconscious influencer. And every mm. woman, you don't know who's watching you, watching your journey and being influenced by your journey. You're just going about your own day, mm. doing what you need to do. But somebody somewhere, you know, be it family or anybody else is watching you. So I always call that the unconscious influencer. Um, that's what you that's what that's what you become without realizing it. And that's why I like opportunities like this. Yes. You know, to share a story because, you know, when you have a one-on-one with one person, it's different from, you know, there's something that many people can can watch, you know, so it's absolutely worthwhile to try and share your story, even though I'm not a a story sharing type, (laughs) but, you know, I I do feel like it's worth it for that very reason. Absolutely. It can inspire somebody. Yeah, save them some time. Yeah, <laughs> save them some yeah. stress. I'm happy. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Andrea, what are the three things you have learned about yourself during your career? Mm. Hmm. I've learned 
Okay, so I'm going to try and give you a good answer. Um, I've learned in my career that I'm very flexible. No, I've learned that I'm very flexible. I can thrive in very different situations. And I feel now if you drop me into, I, I'm not a person who I need a specific type of situation in which to thrive. Yeah, I can thrive wherever you put me. So that bloom where planted, right? So I'm very flexible. Um, I've learned that I'm a visionary. I've always been a dreamer. And now I'm able to take the dream, put it into vision, put it into strategy, communicate it and execute it. So I've learned the importance of having those dreams, nurturing those dreams, not killing those dreams with yeah. too much logic and, you know, rationality. Yeah, there, there is a very powerful place for dreams and um, that skill set for how you manifest them. Yeah. Um, so that's two. And something else I've learned about myself um, is what brings me joy and who I want to yeah. serve. I've gotten very, very clear. So I've worked on, worked with engineers, I've worked in Grace Kennedy with business development and financial services, worked in Digicel Telecoms, yeah. um, worked in the government as well, um, with a lot of contractors and housing developers and that kind of thing. And I'm very clear that who I want to serve is creative people. Right. I love being creative people. I love the way their mind works. <laughs> I love the conversations we have. I love the off the wall. I, really, creatives are not, I mean, there's creatives that have a lot of business sense as well. It's not, I'm not buying into this trope that, Creatives are all la, la, la yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're regular people. But I think there's just this creative spirit in them that I connect to. Yeah. And then I find like I can use some of my uh, some of my business stuff and my engineering stuff, and my building stuff and my strategy stuff to help you be even better at what you do. So I, I, I love serving creatives that those are my people. That's the community I choose to serve. And that's who I really want to work with from now and ever and ever. Amen. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So we're coming down to our last couple of questions. Um, so where would we find you typically on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m.? Oh, at home, cooking breakfast, round around the island in the kitchen yeah. with the kid, with the hubby, drinking Blue Mountain coffee ah. and the dogs. Ah, That's where you'll find me at home. Nice. Nice. Excellent. And, and, and last question, what does success I am a homebody. I'm a proud homebody. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. So, um, so my last question is what does success feel like to you? Hmm. Um, so success, it's such a loaded word, right? Because success is something that's almost externally defined. Um, and I don't know, if I want to also buy into that external definition of success, which is why I say success feel. can feel. Yeah. 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 But to get to the feeling I need to get, get through the what, otherwise we'll all be talking. <laughs> about different things as you want this. So for me, success would be when I have a conversation with somebody and I know that it shifted something for them. I know that they got something that they needed. They understand something. They can go off and do something just the conversation where you really connect, that can be yeah. success. Yeah. Um, it doesn't have to be material success or, you know, signing a big deal. Sometimes those things feel quite empty, mm. you know, or sometimes they feel like, oh my God, the mountain of work that we now have to do to actually, you know, and that's, <laughs> that's not success. Success for me is in the small moments. Yeah. It's in the one-on-one -on -one conversations. It's in where you really feel you've made a difference. And then the feeling you get is just a feeling of, of calm. Mm. You know, 
I think when you feel calm and at peace, not that hype energetic, that to me is not the feeling that's linked to success. That that's a different thing. That excitement is not success for me. Success for me is a real calm grounding feeling. Like all the bits of you have come together. Mm. Yeah. And Mm. are working together in harmony. You feel aligned. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I think there's that peace, that peace you get when, when that's, that's what I link to success for me in my head. Thank you. Thank you. Well, you'd be pleased to hear that I'm taking you out of the hot seat. So, um, <laughs> so if people would love to know more about Kingston Creative or connect with you, how can they do that? Well, we're on social. So it's Kingston Creative JM on Instagram. We have a lovely website, www.kingstoncreative.org. Um, and of course we're on Facebook. There's a Facebook group where you can network with people and post stuff and see what, what people are up to creatively. Um, and of course we're on Twitter. So at Kingston creative underscore jam. So anywhere on social media, just type in Kingston creative and you will find us. Now we've opened a couple of physical spaces. Okay. So middle of a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so we have opened 2020. So we've opened the creative hub which is like our anchor space in the center of the art district. It's at 107 Harbor Street, upstairs from Swiss Stores, which is an old building, 1935. It's a really nice space. Mm. It's brightly colored. It's the only muralized building. You can't miss it. So 107 Harbor Street is our creative hub building. And we also have the Artisan Collective Store, which is on Ocean Boulevard, right by the harbor um, at number 10. 10 Ocean Boulevard is where you'll find the Artisan Collective floor on the ground floor of the UDC building. And that's where we used to have these pop-up markets. Yes. And now we have yeah. all the those artisans can show their goods and sell their goods in that shop. So Fantastic. yeah, that's where you can find us. Ooh. And info, want to email info yes. at kingstoncreative.org. I-N-F-O at kingstoncreative.org. And I read every single one. So Fantastic. you can feel free to drop us an email. Well, I consider this interview completed and I have loved it. I love going behind. I can see what was happening and I'm reading about it, but to see the, you know, I know you say it's a team, Andrea, but there is a driving force behind it. And someone has to create the vision for the team to to buy into. So kudos to you. Um, I have loved interviewing you today and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Janice. Thanks for the opportunity. It was a real pleasure speaking with you. You're welcome. Take care. Bye. Well, I hope you're feeling as inspired as I was um, having that interview with Andrea. And there were so many fantastic things she said that really stood out for me when she talked about the fear of failure and how to harness failure to educate and to learn to take your next next step. And then the great piece of advice is about uh, advice about asking for what you want. Those three little letters, ASK, so small, but oh, so powerful. So there's lots more that I would love to hear what your takeaway was from this week's uh, interview be sure to hit me up on uh, social media I am Janice Sutherland either on LinkedIn Facebook or Instagram I'd love to hear your feedback and don't forget if you're looking at your career and you're thinking of transitioning your career or even giving it some consideration 
You can register for my Your Next Career chapter email series and workshop kicking off the 5th of July. And as I said, it's free, but the advice you get will be invaluable as it helps you navigate your next career transition. So head over to my website, JaniceSutherland.com. You'll see the registration uh, pop up to do so. And I look forward to connecting with you. And until next time, remember, if I can, you can, this woman can. Take care.